You are listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with my husband, Steve Worsley, the toxic mold expert and your number one source for mold consulting and mitigation in the USA. Here is episode number seven, Mold Testing 101. Before we get started on this episode, a short or not so short disclaimer. While all attempts have been made to verify the content provided in this podcast, neither the podcaster or the producers assume any responsibility for errors, omissions, or alternative interpretations of the issues discussed herein. All information stated in this podcast is the opinion of Steve Worsley. Steve Worsley is a mold specialist with over 20 years of experience in the construction and mold industry. The Toxic Mold Podcast is for information sharing purposes only. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and his alone. These views should not be taken as expert instruction or commands. While there may be references to medical conditions and symptoms, all solo podcast episodes are the opinion of Steve Worsley, and any medical questions or concerns shall be addressed with the appropriate licensed medical professional or professionals. As the podcaster refers to different mold types, please be aware that Steve Worsley is not a microbiologist, and questions concerning mold specifics should be answered by the appropriate professional. The listener is 100% responsible for his or her own actions. You can check out Steve's books on Amazon about mold and dealing with mold in your home at amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Steve Worsley. And if you're interested in scheduling a mold consultation over the phone consultation with Steve, you can be sure to find out more about those and his availability at cnccontractorservices.com. Now let's get to the episode. We are back with another episode of the Toxic Mold Podcast, and in today's episode, we're talking about mold testing 101. So, Steve, what are the different types of mold testing? Uh, so, we have different, obviously, several types, but uh, the first thing I want to cover is a viable test versus non-viable. So, a viable test is any of you that went to science class, I, I'm not sure if, if they do it on all of them, but anyhow, my science class in junior high... We had that little petri dish, and it had had that little gelatin-like substance at the bottom, and that's what we call as an agar plate. Um, so that what you, in, in, depending on what you did in science science class, but you can do, and this is how they do a lot of uh, health stuff for when it comes to medical testing, is you can take that, you can swab, um, you can swab whatever you want to swab with a Q-tip, and then you roll it onto that agar plate. You seal it up, you put it in a dark, damp spot, and you wait to see if mold grows on it. Um, that's viable. You can test that way. Um, we don't professionally test that way just because it's takes a lot longer. You have to leave it exposed for an hour. So anyhow, if you're going to do it yourself, a viable sample is what you do. And then once the mold is growing, you send it off to a lab. The lab determines what kind of mold types are there and send you a report. The way we test is non-viable testing. So... We don't wait for that culture to start growing mold. Um, so what we do is um, it's an air test that's ran through an aerosol cassette. So it's just a, it's more or less, we have a low volume pump that sucks air through a hose and then it traps the mold spores on the slide. We run that for five minutes, 10 minutes if it's outside. We sent, we can send it off to the lab immediately. And then we have results within a few days. So 
that's the two differences. You have a viable test and non-viable. So viable meat is, it means you wait for, for those mold spores to start reproducing. So viable testing is really, I don't even, don't even recommend it. So that leads into the different types of tests that you can do. Um, keep in mind a do it yourself test that you go buy at Home Depot. That's a viable test. So, okay. um, and remember this too is, is, when you go to buy that, let's just say it's $10 for the kit. If it's only $10, that does not include the lab fees. So more or less, you're just buying the kit. And then when you send it off to a lab, they're going to bill you 45 whatever, $45 or whatever they want to charge. So anyhow, as far as professionally, so we have, we have several different things we can do. If we visibly can see the mold, we can swab it just like we were talking about in science class. We don't swab it and put it on a uh, agar plate. We swab it, seal it, send that to a lab. So that would be the swab. You can also, which is pretty much the same thing, you can do an a, uh, air, a, uh, air lift. So, or a, sorry, a tape lift. So more or less, it's like a piece of scotch tape, which you literally can do. You just put it on there, then you put it in a sealed container. You send that off to the lab. Um, you also can do what's called a bulk sample. A bulk sample, that means you visibly see the mold, so you cut it out. So let's just say it's on the sheetrock. You cut a little piece of the sheetrock out, put it in a sealed container, send that to the lab. Uh, the most common and, in my opinion, um, like we covered earlier um, in another podcast, is is you, for the most part, you're inhaling the spores. So if you're inhaling things, most likely you obviously want to run an air test. So an air test is not going to tell us everything we want to know, but combined with other types of tests. So let's just say I have a client that their daughter's sick all the time and she spends most of her time in her bedroom. What we would do is we would run an air test. Uh, when we do that, we run one outside because um, we have to have a baseline. We, we need to know what mold types because depending on where you're at geographically, you can have Everybody has different mold types that are that are usually there. We would run that outside sample, then we run a sample in the bedroom, and then on top of that, we could swab, say, the top of the baseboard. And the reason behind that is, is we get a very clear snapshot of exactly is it here in her bedroom that's making her sick? And then on top of that, we obviously run a test out in the hallway. So so the air tests, once we, like kind of explain that, once we run those tests, we send them right off to the lab. Lab sends us the results, we interpret those, and then we go from there. So like I said, there's a lot of different types of testing, but an air test, in my opinion, is you always have to have that test done. So when, when people, you know, there are lots of people who want to do it themselves. DIY versus hiring a mold expert to do the air testing is one better than the other? Well, of course. And why? So, I mean, because lots, lots of people think they could do it themselves. They're like, why would I pay somebody this amount of money when I can go to Home Depot for 10 bucks plus 45 So why? Well, obviously, first and foremost is, is we're trained. Uh, we see this all the time. This is what I do for a living. So... I know the problematic areas. I, I know where to look. I know what to look for. Do it, do it yourself or I don't even care if you watch a 30 minute video on YouTube. It, you're, you're not going to have the expertise like the professional's going to have. So if it, if it's all about the cost, 
I ask people, so if you don't think you can afford for me to come in and do a mold inspection and mold testing, how are you going to pay me or another mold professional to get rid of the mold? So it to me, it's something that what's what's the health of your home and the health of the occupants in the home worth? So, so do-it-yourselfer is obviously there, there's a market for that, but for the most part, you're just, the kits that you buy only gives you one agar plate. So as we talked about earlier, you have to run an outside sample. So if you just run an inside sample, them telling you what mold is there, for the most part, unless they say there's toxic mold, it's doesn't do us any good as far as professionals. Because the first thing I would ask somebody that did it themselves, what, what did your outside test show? And if they go, oh, I didn't do that, well... All I can do is look at their results and say, okay, there's toxic mold. That's about the only thing I can tell you that could be giving you problems. But beyond that, it's just not, you're not getting enough information if you're doing it yourself. So you're way better off hiring a professional. Don't go with the cheapest guy. You know, you get what you pay for. So, so that's why I obviously as a mold expert, I say no hire the professional, but on a, you know, as an outsider looking in, I'm sure you can understand that me doing the testing versus someone that's never done it, there's probably a big difference. Absolutely. I think some people are afraid, though, that they don't know how to tell whether the person they're calling from Yelp or wherever, Googling mold people in their area, they don't know how to tell whether somebody is skilled the way you are or has the credentials to do it. So what do you say to somebody who's kind of afraid? They don't know how to tell if the mold person is a professional. Well, it, you know, obviously do your due diligence. No different than, uh, you know, I would assume if you have to have a knee replacement, you probably ask people, you look at reviews online, um, you do your due diligence and make sure you're going with the right doctor. So just like with mold, call the guy. You know, talk to the inspector, ask them, say, who's the inspector that you're going to send out to my property? Then talk to that inspector and ask them, are you certified? How long have you been doing this? What type of testing do you perform? What's your scope? What's the fees? Ask a lot of questions. And for the most part, uh, a lot of people don't deal with mold issues. So it's not as easy as, say, like a doctor. You could jump on Facebook and ask your local community page you're on, who's a good knee doctor? You can still do that with a mold guy, but mold isn't as, as popular, obviously. So just make sure the, the, the key things, and, and I, I say this because in, here in Wyoming, we're not regulated by anybody. Uh, so we don't have to be certified. We don't have to be insured. You don't have to be licensed. So, and, and I, I know for sure Utah's this way. Um, of course, we have it here in Wyoming. I know South Dakota, you have to be certified. Colorado, you do. So it's it's kind of a hit and miss. So don't don't just assume because they have a website and a business card that they're qualified. So make sure certified and insured. Ask what their scope of work is. Ask some tough questions uh, and see how they respond to those. And that's where what we have expanded with CNC is. Is that's why we're in the consulting side. Even if you're going to hire a local inspector, there's nothing wrong with having hiring me as a consultant or another mold consultant because then I can walk people through the steps. And then more or less, you kind of have a second opinion. 
you have somebody that's actually working for you. Uh, they have no vested interest in anything except for protecting the client. Absolutely. Should they should they ask for references that they can call? They 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 should, but you got to be real careful. Um, and I say it this way too with reviews online. Um, for for someone like us, we don't we, you know you don't use Google to come find a mold guy beyond the fact just to get a phone number. So. As far as references, it's always a good idea to get references, obviously. But you might call the wrong person or that had a bad experience when at the end of the day, they just didn't want to pay their bill. And then they can trash that inspector. But for the most part, yes, you you need to have references. But one thing I like to bring up, you know, a lot of people have a realtor that they use. There's nothing wrong with going to that realtor and saying, hey, who do you recommend? If you're doing this though, in the, in, in, and you're in the buying process of a home, going to your realtor, you need to be very careful because they have a vested interest in selling that home. They don't have a vested interest in your health. So be careful who they push you towards because, and I'm not saying all realtors are this way. I'm not saying this at all, but you need to make sure you hire someone that you know has your back. A realtor gets paid to sell homes. So if if there's a mold issue, they don't want to hear anything about that. Absolutely, which means go to somebody who has your best interest when it comes to mold at heart. So as we wrap up this episode, what's one tip you want to give our listeners about mold testing? Uh, like I said, I would highly recommend not doing a do-it-yourself test. Um because for the most part, you're going to spend the money to do it. It's probably going to be about, if you only do one test, you're probably looking at $60, $70 for one test. After you get those results, you're going to have to come to someone like me anyway. So you're better off in the beginning coming to a mold expert. That way I can recommend mold inspectors if that's what we need to do. But if you do it yourself, you're going to end up having to come to me or to a mold inspector anyway. So you might as well just do it right off the bat. Yeah. Be proactive. Exactly. Awesome. Well, we will catch everybody on the next episode of the Toxic Mold Podcast. Prevent toxic mold exposure before it gets in your home. Download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist. Again, download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist. 